0: Well, have you ever said to yourself, this is too much to carry? Like, this is just too, too much. I told you a couple of weeks ago that, uh, I started coaching a middle school football team and, um, let me tell you how it's going. <laughs> so a couple of things that, uh, I've realized one is that I played football 20 years ago. A lot has changed since I played, uh, that's, that's different. Um, I also played under Canadian football rules, not American football rules. So uh, there's a, this whole idea of you can't move before the snap, that's so weird, I have to remove that from my brain. Uh, the field is a little tinier, you know? Americans can't run as far, so we've shrunk the... <laughs> field a little bit. Uh, And we've got, there's only 11 players on the field. That's weird. We had 12 players on the field. Uh, As Canadians, we only got three tries to get that first down. Again, Americans need a little extra help, so they got an extra down to, 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 um, you know, get that far. And uh, But I'm having to do these calculations in my head and be like, oh yeah, no, no, no. That's not, I can't teach this to kids. I gotta teach them these rules to kids. So it's taken a little extra mental strength. Uh, In fact, this week, this last week, we did a conditioning camp with our whole uh, association. So we had uh, the head coach from our high school team there and a bunch of high schoolers that were leading us through drills. And we had everything from third grade up to eighth grade. And uh, uh, during some of the Conditioning. I was sitting there talking to the, the head coach for the high school program and he was talking about schemes that they were running and I was like, oh man, I am so in over my head. You don't even call like the, things the same thing as, as I did growing up. So I know I feel a little bit like it's a lot. There's a lot going on. And then I realized also that I'm old. Uh, so I told you that we had conditioning week this last week. And, uh, and so on the very first day, on Monday, we have our whole program there. Uh, there's like 100, 150 kids there, and uh, we've been working out for two hours with them. All It's the first day of conditioning, right? So on the first day, all the parents come to drop off their kid and watch the conditioning and hang out, right? They're all there, which is great. And we get through two hours of conditioning. At the end, the head coach Uh, says, all right, we're gonna run sprints across the field. And so he lines up all of these kids, like all third grade, all the way to eighth grade, some high school students are in there. The head coach gets on the line and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty fast. I was pretty fast back in my day I could I, I you know I want to I broke records running uh, sprints and relays and I could break tackles in football like it was I'm like I'm gonna just I'm gonna embarrass some of these kids I am gonna run with them so I got up to the line and I took my keys and my phone and my wallet out of my pocket and I set them on the floor and we all line up, remember like 100, 150 kids and all of their parents right behind in the stands and I'm kind of on the 50 yard line. Well, 40, center, you know how many yards do you guys have? <laughs> so I'm right in the middle, right in front of the stands and, uh, and the coach blows the whistle, everybody takes off, right? And we, we're given her, uh, the, the, I was, I was to my left was the head coach, to my right were two high schoolers. I know that there were two high schoolers because the second one out had his phone out and was videotaping for Snapchat his run across the field. And so coach blows the whistle, we take off, and we're cruising, like we're really cruising. The head coach is only a couple of strides ahead of me. Uh, the the other two, they're a couple steps behind me because I know because it was on video, and uh, and the I can realize that like he is just within reach, right? I can catch up to him, so I I give it all I have got. I am running as fast as I can, and all of a sudden I feel some shooting pain in the back of my leg. and and that leg is behind me, and it no longer wants to come in front of me. And so I absolutely do a faceplant into, and again, I know I did a faceplant because Snapchat is showing (laughs) my legs no longer working and me screeching across the field. It was uh, fun for everyone else. I did not embarrass them, I was embarrassed. So much so that uh, at the end of the week, okay, this is several days later, I am walking to take one of the players off to the bathroom by the high school, and I walk past this little playground, and there's a parent. I don't know who they are. They're playing with their kids. And he looks at me and he says, are you the guy that, I'm like, (laughs) yes, I am the guy. Thank you. I am so glad that I did that on the first day when every parent saw I'm asking myself, what did I get myself into, right? You ever have those moments where you're like, what did I get myself into? Maybe you're starting a brand new job, and I don't know about you, but lots of the jobs that I've started, they sit you in a closet somewhere in front of a computer, and they're like, go watch all of this training. And they just It's like a fire hose of information. They come back several hours later to make sure that you're still alive or if you need a bathroom break or something, right? But it's so much information that you're never gonna remember. You feel totally overwhelmed by every policy that you just learned. If you break this policy, you'll lose your job. But if they ask you 30 seconds later, you're like, I don't know what policy that was. There's so much info. You feel totally overwhelmed. Maybe you've had some of those moments. Maybe you moved to a new town. new city, And you're like, how do I even find anything in this city? Like, where do you go grocery shopping here? Do you go on Yelp and look for good grocery store reviews? Like, does anybody review grocery stores on Yelp? When we we moved to Detroit, Michigan, uh, we got there. We got in our house. And I will never forget, we'd only been there like a little while. And uh, there was a knock at the door. And it was a woman that we had met at church. And she was holding a poster board. And this poster board, her kids and her had drawn out our community and like wrote on there where the best grocery stores were and the best coffee shops and restaurants. It was awesome. We would have had no idea. We were totally overwhelmed. But her, her name was Annika. We've been friends with her and her family for years since that moment because of how kind, how sweet she was in that, that day. Because it was totally overwhelming. We were thinking, what did we get ourselves into? Or maybe you join a new family. You're dating somebody or you marry into a family and the family dynamics are a little bit different. Like, I remember I grew up with all boys and a mom, right? My house was, was lots of testosterone, holes in walls and that kind of stuff, but, uh, but not a lot of like raised voices, just raised muscles, okay? And so it was different. And I married my wife who came from a house full of girls. Uh, And it was only my father-in-law and four girls in that house. And I will never forget uh, that my wife, my new wife, and her sister were fighting. And as a husband, I was like, I got to defend my wife. So I decided to jump in the middle of their argument (laughs) to correct the, yeah, I see all of these women with sisters that are like, oh, that was not a good idea. I thought I was like coming to my wife's rescue and all of a the sudden they were both yelling at me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that's not what was supposed to happen. So I was, it was a totally overwhelming. It was totally weird. Okay, so fast forward. I, I am married into this family. All of the sisters all get married. We're sitting out on the back porch. All the brother-in-laws, my father-in-law, And we're just having like a normal kind of conversation, right? We're talking about going fishing. Meanwhile, inside the house, in the kitchen, all of the sisters and my mother-in-law are having a discussion uh, and they're, they're a little amped up. Their voices are kind of excited. We're just going to say excited. Okay. Uh, And, and my father-in-law says, well, maybe we can go, maybe we'll go the 28th of the month. Uh, I'll see if we're, we have, if we're doing anything. And he goes, I'll just, I'll just ask my wife. And all of us brother-in-laws have learned our lesson in this, right? Like, if the women are the doing their thing and they're upset, don't bother them. Because they'll take it out on you. And so he goes, I'll just ask her. And he leans back. And I swear we all, like, what's going to happen? And re- not remembering the fact that he has lived with them all his entire life. And he just leans back and he says, hey, uh, honey, are we using the boat on the 28th? And she just pokes her head up, like, from, like, burr, burr, to... No, I don't think so. And goes back to the thing. <laughs> i totally overwhelmed. I went, okay, I just have to like take notes and do as he does and maybe I'll make it through. <laughs> totally overwhelming. Or maybe you walk into a church for the first time and you're going, it seems like everybody knows everybody. I don't know a person. Uh, They all know where they're going. I'm probably going to walk down the wrong hallway and some security guard is going to handcuff me and take me out of here. It can feel totally overwhelming. And I know you might not have had all of those situations, but you probably can imagine yourself in some of those situations, right? Imagine how you might have responded to them. I do that all the time. Uh, Do you guys ever do that? Imagine yourself in a situation you've never been in to think about how how you would handle it. I do this all the time. In fact, I do it a ton uh, with scripture. You know, last, a uh, couple of weeks ago actually, uh, Pastor Gabe was talking about uh, making room for everyone. And he, he uh, was talking about the passage in Mark chapter two, where those four friends brought their, their friend to Jesus and cut through the roof and lowered uh, their friend in to get healed by Jesus. And as he's telling that story, I was thinking about what would i do in that situation like if i was one of the disciples how would i have handled that i'm sure that i would have been in this room like watching jesus do his thing and being like yeah he's good he's really good like look how packed it is in here like there's no room this is we're doing well i've got to make sure everybody's taken care of and then like some drywall would have hit my shoulder and i would have been like What is that? What is going on? And look up. I'm sure I would have thought, somebody is cutting through the roof of this house. This is not okay. Like how are we gonna pay for this? Who are, like I don't have an insurance policy to cover idiots cutting through a roof. What about the relationship that we have with this homeowner? Now he's just, like if somebody cut a hole through my ceiling just so they could see Jesus, I would have not been very impressed with that, right? And now we got to leave it better than we found it. I'd have been sitting there going, okay, who knows how to do drywall? Because we're going to need to replace this drywall. I would have not handled that really very well. But you can imagine yourself kind of in those situations. In fact, I want you to do that. I want you to imagine you are one of the disciples, okay? Okay. Imagine you're one of the disciples and you are following him. That means that you have quit your job, the job that you have. You have quit it. You've sold stuff that you've got so that you can follow Jesus on this journey. And you're following him around the country and he's doing miracles. He is teaching people Either you're just, you're amazed, okay? And it's going really, really well. And then a couple of years in, Jesus gets arrested, unjustly arrested. And you're like, okay, that's not good. But there's still hope. Like, it's not, there's, he's, he's, he didn't do anything. So he's gonna get freed, it's gonna be okay. You imagine the emotional uh, uh, journey that you would go on as he's, getting, uh, as, as he's going to court. And then you find out he's sentenced to death and your entire story is unraveling, right? Because you quit your job, you sold a bunch of stuff just to follow Jesus around, and now he's been sentenced to death. And then Jesus dies. I would be crushed, right? I would think everything that I've given my life to, everything that we hoped Jesus was going to do, to turn their country around and that he was going to be the leader. And that he was, he was just going to fix everything. And now he is dead. I would be, I would be depressed. And then he's raised from the dead. Oh my gosh, what an opposite end of the the pendulum, the spectrum that I would be I'm so excited right? You go through this just emotional roller coaster, and then Jesus meets you on a mountain, and he gives you his final instruction. And as Christ followers, I think that we, are t- we can feel overwhelmed by the instruction that he gave, because he gave his biggest challenge ever in that moment. You might have heard of it being called the Great Commission, and I want to look at it actually with you. So if you look in your notes, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a lot going on there, right? He says, go. Now, he's not not just saying like, hey, at some point, get up and go. He's saying in everything that you do, as you are going, you got to do this. It's not a scheduled time. It's like, and on Sundays, go do this. (laughs) Or uh, when you arrive somewhere, he's not saying that. He's saying in everything that you do, that's a lot, that's everything. In everything that you do, go make disciples. And then he says, of all nations. All of them. Not just the ones that are in our convenient circle. He's saying all of them. And then he says... Teach them to obey all of the commands I have given you. And I'm sure the disciples were sitting there going, wait, how many? All of them? All of the things that you taught us? Man, I wish somebody would have written it down. Oh, good. Somebody did write it down. We're okay. (laughs) That's a lot, right? And and Jesus issued this challenge, this, this commission to the disciples, but it was to all of his disciples, us included, And I'm sure amongst his disciples, there were a lot of personalities, just like there are probably a lot of personalities in here. Like, for example, how many of you are dreamers? You get excited about thinking about the future. Why don't you, if you're a dreamer, write dreamer in chat. Okay, if you're a dreamer and Jesus says, go to all the world and reach all people, as dreamers, you're probably excited, right? You're like, yeah, okay, where are we going to travel to? What are we going to do? What are we going to see? Oh, this is going to be great then there are probably some discerners that are like hmm that's a good idea that's not a good idea let's think about how we could do this and they i'm sure there were disciples that were like okay all nations man that means gentiles too okay we're gonna have to think about how and they're thinking it through and then there are like the implementers how many of you are implementers Implementers, like you're like, if it needs to be done, I will get it done, I will take care of it, I will cross every I, dot every T. And I almost said dot every I and cross it. No, the other way. I'm just messing it up again now in my head. Did I get it right? Yeah, no? (laughs) Dot the E's, I mean the I's, (laughs) cross the T's. I'm not one of these people, just to clarify. If you didn't pick that up, I'm not one of these people. But I'm sure that the implementers, when he said, like, all nations, all people, everything, the implementers just fainted, right? Because they were like, that's insane. How are we going to do that? This, it's a big challenge. No matter how you look at it, it's a really big challenge. We, all of us, we have a giant challenge. We have a giant challenge challenge. It reminds me of Moses. Uh, if you know the, the story of Moses as he led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they were kind of, they were going on their journey through the wilderness. Uh, there's this moment where Moses is, is really, I, I don't know how he's getting anything done, because he would just have to sit there from morning till night and solve people's conflict. That, I would just quit. That's horrible. <laughs> right? But he would just sit there from morning till night. Everybody would line up, and he would listen to their disagreement and solve their disagreement. And his father-in-law, that's funny, wise father-in-laws. Interesting. There's a little theme there. I have to listen to my father-in-law. Moses had to listen to his father-in-law. That's funny. Hopefully my daughter's husbands listen. Um. But Moses listened to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law said, you know what? You can't do it all yourself. You're going to have to break this up. Why don't you get some leaders that can take some of these, uh, these disagreements and help solve them and kind of spread the load out? And Moses was like, that's really wise, father-in-law. Uh, and so he did that. He, he, he raised up some leaders, and they all were helping him solve uh, these problems, and this is a lot where our, the, one of our values comes from, this we reproduce ourselves comes from. Because if you look at the sentence below that, it says, we aim to be a church that helps everyone, we're going to come back to that, everyone take their place in the restoration of our city, our region, our nation, and our world. There's just not one person that can do that, right? Right? It's not only a handful of people that can do that. The only way to do this is to engage everyone. And I know that as I said that, some of you heard everyone else, right? You're like, yes, all of them. Absolutely. We had this joke in my house where my mom would say words like everyone, anyone, and, but we all knew who she meant, right? I don't know if this is like this in your house, but if my mom said, hey, can someone come help? That was my middle brother. (laughs) If she said someone, it was my middle brother that was supposed to come help. If she said, did anyone take out the trash? Clearly it was my youngest brother's fault, right? That she's looking at a full trash and be like, did anyone take out the trash? And it was his. And if she said everyone, uh, did, did, uh, is everyone leaving their cereal bowls downstairs? That was clearly me. That was absolutely clearly me. And it was my cereal bowls because when I got married, then my wife was like, where did you get this habit of leaving cereal bowls down by the thing? I was like, I've been doing it all my life. <laughs> I'm like me and everyone else, have been doing this all, all my life. But this idea of everyone is, it's all of us. This great commission, this challenge is both communal, it is all of us, and it is personal. It is both we and me, right? It's not just for other people to, to do, but it's, it's absolutely intimidating when you think about how big of a responsibility that is. I remember uh, I was getting Trained to facilitate some some strategic planning meetings, and I had to go to Atlanta to be uh, to be certified in it and I remember being all excited and getting there to this training and i 'm sitting down in this room. Uh, and as we're going around this room, we're introducing each other, and I'm really excited to be there, right? Like, I'm thinking, this is going to be great. I love this stuff. Uh, we at Westside, we had gone through this, this process before, and I was excited to learn how to facilitate it. So I'm really I'm kind of excited. And we're going around the room and meeting people and hearing their names, where they're from, and as we kind of get closer to me, I'm like, wait, I recognize what, who they are and where they've worked. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, these people are... These people are giants. Like, who in the world am I? Some kid that played Canadian football is sitting in this room with these people totally intimidated. But I realized that I was called, just like them, to be going through this same process. They should have been being like, man, I'm in this class with this guy. I probably really have not arrived yet. Um, But we're all called the same way, right? I was called the same way as them. You are called the same way. We are all called... To this together. And here's the great thing. You can do it. I know it's intimidating, but you can do it. I know this because even Jesus said so. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, where Jesus is speaking and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What do you notice there? Who does Jesus say will receive power? Just the people on the right side of the room. No, (laughs) you, right? He said you will receive power. He was talking to you who does jesus say will be his witnesses you all of us everyone like we all will be who does jesus say will accomplish his god's dream of uh restoring the world professional christians (laughs) no he says you you will accomplish god's dream jesus himself said he's going to use each of you, each of us, but it's still a huge challenge, right? It's still a little intimidating. I think some of us are probably mustering up the the courage to get started. Some of us have already started, but no matter where you're at, I want to give you the secret to success here, okay? Even though it's intimidating, here's the secret to success. And it's modeled by Paul to Timothy. And Paul, if you don't know who Paul was, Paul was the guy who, he was the key to spreading the word of the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. And he did something with, uh, with Timothy that I think we can really learn from. It's this. We live with one hand forward and one hand back. One hand forward and one hand back. Let's look at, it, it, let's look at 2 Timothy 2:10, and I want to see if you can see what I'm talking about here. This is Paul talking to, to Timothy. He says, "You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. You've heard me, right? One hand forward. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will pass them on to others, one hand back." Actually, one hand back and one hand back, right? See what I mean by this one hand forward and one hand back? Think about it like this. Imagine we are climbing a steep mountain, and at the front of the line is Jesus. Of course, because Jesus, you know, the Great Commission, everything, Jesus is at the front of the line. And holding on to Jesus' hand is the disciples, right? They're holding on to Jesus' hand. And they reach back and they reach back to Paul and they teach him and they commission him for reaching the Gentiles. And then Paul is reaching back to Timothy saying, hold my hand, listen to what I've taught you and teach trustworthy people. And so Timothy is, is reaching back, right? Paul is a link in that chain. Timothy is a link in that chain. This concept I think is so incredibly important because we got to be reaching both ways, Because what happens when you're only reaching forward, when you're only learning from someone? You kind of grow stale. You're weak, fat, lazy, right? Because you you wouldn't be able to help anybody up the mountain because they've all been helping you. They've been carrying all the weight. You just want the people that are in front of you to work harder, to pull you up the mountain better, right? That, that doesn't really make a whole lot of a sense. W- worse, you're the end of the chain, right? All of their efforts end in you if you are only reaching forward. They all end in you. And I don't think any one of us would be so bold to say, yeah, we're totally fine being the end of the line. I don't think any one of us want to be that. What happens when you're only reaching back, though? When you're only reaching back you start to feel like you're the hero, like you're the savior, right? Like you got it figured out. You're just going to take care of them. And that only lasts for so long before you kind of just burn out because you're doing all the work of pulling everybody else up the hill. Eventually you get too tired to really be effective. So you can't just be reaching up and you can't just be reaching back. You got to be that link between both, right? That's why we believe that one of the core things that we do is reproduce ourselves. The only way that we're going to reach the city is if we do it together. The only way that we do it together is if we have people that we are holding on to and people that we're pulling along with us. Everyone, everyone, not just me, and it's not my mom talking here, it's everyone. Everyone has has got to take their place. And we have to teach people what we have learned. We can't just tell them. We have to show them. I was thinking about this moment uh, at, at this, the conditioning week where you know, I'm learning all of these things and I'm having to relearn some of the fundamentals. And you know, one of the players says, okay, get in a stance. Does everybody know what a stance is? And all of the kids go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like nobody wants to be that guy that's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the coach, the head coach, said, "You know what? We got to actually show them. We got to show them so that they can do it. We don't just—we're not just telling them. We got to show them. And it's the same for us, right? We can't just tell people. We've got to—we've got to show them. So who's mentoring you? Who—who who are you holding on to? That's investing in you. And then who are you investing in?" Who are those people? Who are you reaching forward to and who are you reaching back to? And maybe today you're, you're here and, uh, and you've kind of looked ahead down the line and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want the person that's at the front of the line to be at the front of the line and I think maybe Jesus is the one that I want to be at the front of the line. You've been thinking about that? I would challenge you today to say, yeah, put Jesus at the front of your line. That's who you want to become. Right? Maybe the biggest step that you can take today is that you decide, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. That's going to be the front of the line. Jesus is going to be the front of the line. And if you take that step today, if you decide that in your heart, that that's what the, the change that you want to make today. You want to say yes to Jesus. I want to meet you after the service. I got a little book that I'm going to give you. I'll be uh, down here after the service that's going to help you take some next steps in your journey. But I'd encourage you to say yes. Say yes to Jesus today. Maybe a next step for you today is that you're going to sign up for a Good Neighbor project. There's been uh, a lot of leaders investing in creating a space where we can help restore our city and serve our city, and so maybe you should sign up for something there, and don't just have one hand forward there, but have one hand back and bring somebody with you. Maybe your next step today is that uh, you're going to sp- you're going to commit to spending some time and being mentored by that person, your mentor this week. Who's your mentor? When's the last time that you let them speak into your life? Maybe to the, your next step today is to, is to make sure that you're reaching back and investing in someone this week. Because you don't want to be the end of the line, right? You want, don't want to be the last link in the chain. What are you teaching them? And I know that's intimidating, but you don't have to be one of the 12 disciples to disciple someone, to mentor someone. You just have to be a step further up the mountain, right? Just a step further. And you can reach back uh, and and bring them along with you. But I encourage you, take a next step today. Take a next step deciding that this week is gonna be a little bit different from last week. And in just a moment, we're gonna pass uh, some offering buckets like Carly was talking about. And I wanna encourage you, if you had an offering, drop it in there, but I wanna encourage you to take that green connection card and tell me what next step you're taking. Commit to taking one of those steps and drop it in the bucket when it goes by. You know, Jesus gave us a giant, giant challenge and he promised that he, he, it would be complete through us because we are a link in that chain. Let's pray and thank God for that today. Jesus, I am so honored that you would see each one of us as a link in that, in that chain. That we are, uh, we are being used by you. And I pray that you would, uh, you would remind us to reach forward. That you would remind us to not do it on our own, to ask for help, to be learning from someone. I pray that you would remind us to also invest in other people, to reproduce ourselves, there is no success without succession. You did that with the disciples and we want to do that too. Father, I pray that you would continue to use us. We love you May we pray, amen.